the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. Grace, giving you what you don't deserve. And today, we'll see that that grace gives us justification. We'll talk about that next here on Abounding Grace. our program is called Abounding Grace. And as we work our way through Romans, we get a clear understanding of just how abounding it really is. Welcome to our broadcast from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Pastor Gary Wagner has us back in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, justified freely by his grace, pronounced innocent even though we're guilty. That is amazing grace. Here's Pastor Gary with more. God does not love you because you are an American. In fact, that may well be a strike against you. God doesn't love you because of the color of your skin or because you're smart or because you are rich or poor or because you have some degree after your name or because you like the Stanford Cardinals. God doesn't love us because of any of those things. Nothing in us moved God to love us. You must understand that, beloved, because we had sinned against his majesty and broken all of his holy laws. And the gleaming sword of justice that stood there at the garden and blocked the way would have fallen on us. But in his mercy, he comes forward. He, in his own love, He, in his own kindness and compassion for the undeserving, comes forward and he changes us. We should be filled, be filled with joy unspeakable. For our salvation is holy, holy the work of God, of his loving, kindly heart towards sinners like us. Grace has got to be the song of our lives because if it is not, then we really don't know God and we really don't know ourselves. So Paul wants to make it very clear in verse 24. This justification before his court is a gift. It is all of his undeserved kindness to sinners. But verse 25, it wasn't free. Oh, yes, it is free to us. But it wasn't free to the Son of God. Paul transitions here in the second half of verse 24 from grace to redemption. Those words don't carry the shock value that they should to us any longer. Grace, God's undeserved kindness towards sinners. Redemption, deliverance by the payment of a price. God doesn't save us by throwing off the demand for His justice. You know, that's kind of like homeowners think today. 
Oh, I, I got myself into this mortgage that was really too expensive for me. I, I bought into the bubble, and that's not fair that my home value is going down. So what should happen? The government should step in and help, or the bank should just forgive a portion of my loan. Those mean old banks. How about that battle of covetousness in our own heart? People today want freebies. God's gift of salvation is, too, is free to us. But beloved, it costs our Lord Jesus Christ dearly. Now I need to unfold this just a little bit. Why? Why can't God just say, okay, today is tax-free day. Today is a justice-free day. I'm just so powerful, and I am God, I can do whatever I want to, and I know you're all bad, but today I'm going to give everyone a clean slate. Oh, my friends, if he did that, he would cease being God. Because as wondrous as God's love is, that is how wondrous his justice is and his holiness and his righteousness. Everything that God is, he is infinitely. He is immeasurably. He is perfectly. He is unchangeable. And having determined to save us, which was by no means a necessity laid upon him, then Psalm 85.10 must be true. Please turn there with me. Psalm 85, and I will begin in verse 9. Psalm 85 Beginning in verse 9. Surely his salvation is nigh them who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. There's no other way for God to save sinners. And it would be folly for us to affirm this unless Scripture itself does. And the cross is our best teacher here unless God in his wisdom found a way for mercy and truth, righteousness and peace to meet and kiss because his holiness and justice are just as fundamental to God's character as his love and his grace. It is like this. Everything God is, he says, I am that I am in fullness, in perfect unity. And the cross teaches that to us there's only one way open to us I mean what kind of God would he be if he laid upon his eternal son all of the wrath and the agony and the tears of the cross if there was another way open to him oh that thought is shocking no when we look at the stake in the ground and we look at the crucified one hanging there. That teaches us one thing. That the love and the justice of God are perfectly met in the Lord Jesus Christ to obtain our redemption. That the Lord Jesus was a gift of God's love sent down from heaven. Because God so loved the world that he would give his only begotten son in our place. And the price the Lord Jesus paid for our salvation, the redemption, the deliverance was the full satisfaction of God's 
justice. Whenever the word redemption is used in reference to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, it always means deliverance by the payment of a price. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.30 that he was made redemption for us. He paid the price. Several times throughout the New Testament, his blood is called the ransom for our sins. He paid what we could not pay, what we could never pay. Even if you went to hell forever, you could never pay it. You might say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why couldn't we pay the price if we went to hell forever? Listen, because your sins don't stop in hell. And because you can never make atonement. We can never make atonement. This is something we forget today because of the darkness of our minds. We can't do anything about the guilt of our past sins. Nothing, none of us can. You might say, well, what if I'm sorry enough? That wouldn't be good. What if I cry enough? It doesn't do any good. What if I just really, really, really to make up for the past 20 years of my wickedness, or in my case, the past 70 years of my wickedness, I do everything the opposite and do everything really, really good for the rest of my life. Surely that will make up for the past. It will not. God's justice is not like ours. We have short-term memories. Sometimes, though, we just have to forgive people, whether they ask us or not. And whether we truly dealt with the situation or not. Because life has to move on. It's not like that with the Holy God. I can't do anything. The Lord Jesus Christ had to bear the full penalty. Every single sin with his precious blood. That's how we are redeemed. 1 Peter 1.18 and 19. Not by silver or gold like slaves receive their freedom but with the precious gift of the Lamb of God without spot and without blemish. Oh, I hope this is resonating in your heart. For if it is, it is a sign that your heart is truly alive. Isaiah 53, 5 teaches us, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we We're healed. Pay attention to the third phrase. The chastisement of our peace. Beloved, we cannot have peace with God as long as there is one black mark against us. Do you have one sin in your past? As long as there is one black mark. But you might say that's not fair. Oh, then we don't know holiness. God created us upright, but we have sought out many devious paths to get away from God. One black mark, one sin, one bad thought, one lie, just one night. You didn't express your love to your wives, men, as you should have. One day, wives, that you didn't submit to your husband just one time when you took it upon yourself to wear the pants in your family and do what you thought your husband should have been doing but wasn't. 
One time you should have called your husband Lord when you should have put your finger over your mouth. One time, men, when you didn't lay down your life as Christ for your wife. One time, children, when you didn't say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, just one time. But the problem is we have millions of sins to pay for. And the soul that sins, Scripture says, it shall die. So the price of our peace, Isaiah 53, 5, our reconciliation with God was the chastisement of the Lord Jesus. That he took all of our curse and paid the full price for our redemption. Now back to Romans 3, chapter 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Paul goes one little step deeper so that we can fully comprehend how much Christ has actually done for us. And really just how secure we are in him. Redemption is not something to be understood along sentimental lines. When you think of the cross in your life, you think of it in your mind, your thoughts, your prayers. Understand that the main reason there was the cross was not to change how you feel about things. That is not the main consideration. What, evokes, what it evokes in me, my emotional response. The primary consideration is that before God's holiness, the salvation of sinners demanded the full satisfaction of God's holiness and his justice offended. That is the main thing at the cross, that he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. God could not relinquish the demands of his justice. That would be for him to deny himself, overturn his word and to dethrone his majesty. Oh, may it never be, beloved. So God in his grace and mercifully and mercy publicly set forth. And that's what the, 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 the verb has set forth means. He publicly set forth his son to be the propitiation for sacrifice. What does propitiation mean? It means the satisfaction of God's wrath, his anger against us by means of blood. To satisfy God's wrath by means of blood. Now listen to me. As long as we think of God's wrath like our wrath against someone else, we are always going to go astray with this. And immediately, I am weak. And when I come to a word like this, or redemption, I, I literally want to go home and just retire. Because I have no ability to grasp these concepts fully. And all I can go with is what Scripture tells us. God is a righteous judge. And he is angry. Not angry like you and me sitting in traffic. God's wrath is the revulsion of his holiness with everything that is within him. When he sees and is faced with our filth. He is of purer eyes than to even look on sin. 
And it says in Scripture, sin shall not dwell with thee. Righteousness and justice are the habitation of his throne. Now Christ comes forward, all of grace. All is an undeserved gift and becomes the propitiation. All of that wrath would be mine in hell forever, but it wouldn't do me any good because I would just keep on sinning and I would keep on building up more wrath and I would continue to be bitter against God. But he, in his holy and pure soul, bore all of that wrath, all of that justice upon himself. Did you know a lot of people don't like this idea of God? Propitiation? Oh, come on now. That presents God as an angry and out of control and unloving. But Jesus being our propitiation means absolutely none of those things. God's anger is just, my friends. But God's anger is balanced. God's anger is always perfectly commensurate with the crime against his majesty. You know what our problem is, and I sense it just a little bit more every day. I have no idea how criminal my sins are against an almighty God. I have no idea how criminal it is for me to have one thought that is not more love to thee. All love to thee, loving God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. I have never, ever, ever done that. I am a criminal against the God who created me. But then came forward God's grace. Then came forward Jesus, precious Jesus. And we all know he certainly is. And in himself, he took the full fury, the full chastisement of all the stripes, of all the condemnation, the full weight of the justice and the anger of God against us that was due to us because of our filthiness. I don't know if we can appreciate how much this propitiatory sacrifice comes out of the love of God. As a matter of fact, without understanding propitiation or understanding God's love is always going to be deficient. God's love doesn't come forward in a kind of cavalier way like, I just love you no matter what you do. I believe in unconditional love, he says. No, that's not God's love. That's our stupidity. God's love is perfectly joined with his holiness It is perfectly joined with his justice. And God's love is not silly. God's love is not capricious. God's love is joined with everything he is. And in love to you and me who deserve to feel his wrath, he put all of that wrath on his son. What love? Propitiation comes straight out of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That last phrase is not often emphasized in John 3.16, should not perish. What exactly does it mean? 
Many who believed in John 3.16 are today in graveyards. But that's not what perish means here. Perish means under the wrath and the curse and the righteous anger of God. You see, hell's fires don't burn independently. Hell's fire are God's wrath against sins and sinners. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes forward and he bears all of that in himself. And God publicly manifested him. And this shows us that salvation, first and foremost, before it has anything to do with us, magnifies the glory of God and his justice, his love, his grace, his holiness. For salvation is truly of God alone. It reveals Him. It reveals His glory, His love, His goodness. It is only as we appreciate propitiation that we can begin to look at the Gospels and the sufferings of our Savior and be struck by them as we should be. Our our Savior, remember, spoke of a cup that He had to drink. And, and, And does He say... Oh, how, how restrained I am, how, how inwardly bound I am until I complete this task. No. John eighteen eleven says, The cup which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? He confessed in his last hours to being overwhelmed. He was pressed to the ground. He basically said, My soul is exceedingly sorrow even unto death. Why? Because he who was holy and harmless and undefiled and separate from sinners was to be forsaken, stricken, smitten, and afflicted, and to become the propitiation, the scapegoat for our sins, the cup that caused him to tremble, the cup that caused him to feel such deadly sorrow, even before the hour struck, the cup that caused sweat to fall like great thick drops of blood, And to cast him to the ground before his father with such emotion and heaviness should humble our hearts into dust until we close our eyes in death. That cup was the divine, the sword of divine justice that was posed to strike him. And beloved, that is the stroke you and I would have taken in hell forever if not for him. And by that one offering of himself on the cross, he has obtained our eternal redemption, our salvation by being the propitiation, the one to satisfy that wrath and judgment of God that we so deserve. You know, that's one of the reasons I no longer watch movies about the cross. They cannot begin to portray what really happened there. Because it was not the visual that mattered. It was going on in the heavenly court that was so important. And no camera can go there. And no eye can see the sorrows that were upon him as he drank all of that justice. And you know, he knew full well what what was about to take place. He is God's eternal son. He knew holiness. He is one with the Father in that holiness. He knew justice. Do you not think he was angry against sinners? 
Remember, he was the angel of the Lord who went out in one night and slew 185,000 Assyrians. He knew the wrath of God against sinners, yet being man his, in his human nature, combined with his divine nature, he took upon himself the full responsibility of our salvation. Truly, we ought to love the Son of God. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do. Reformedheritage.org. Real simple. Reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by. Reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB Post Mailbox four zero two, and the address is fourteen eighty four Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.